This is the Royal Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my valuable co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Yes, are we the core values of this podcast? Uh, I mean, I think we <laughs> definitely are some sort of value. I may be a negative value, but there we go. Well, without us, it wouldn't happen. And let's assume that's a bad thing. <laughs> a bad thing or a good thing? Okay. Let's assume that's a bad thing. Let's, let's assume it's a thing anyway. Oh, it's definitely a thing. Everything is a thing. Exactly. Even nothing is a thing. Yeah, see? It's all a thing. Anyway. That went downhill fast. <laughs> yeah, very rapidly. <laughs> so we are continuing to talk about some of the values that have you know, affected us, stuck with us, uh, you know, that we have found useful um, throughout our career journeys so far. And next up for us is, drum roll, Oh, I don't really want to show this. Do you not? Oh, no. is is that because it's 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 hidden and it's secret, and uh, therefore we're not going to share it with anybody? That's a good thing, right? <laughs> or should we? I think we should instead share openly and default to transparency. Is this a weight loss program? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> this is. Um, yeah, this is one of these things we talked a little bit um, last episode about. You know, some sometimes you know think some of these values can get uh, misconstrued by people, and uh, what this doesn't mean is that every single bit of information across an entire company should be open and available to everybody. That's that's not what it means. Um, but you can openly share that you don't want to share something. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. But no, that's what it is. But don't put beat around the bush. Yeah, but don't. you know, there are organisations, for example, that, uh, and in fact, there are certain certain lo certain locations, certain laws, for example, that now say that uh, um, salaries and all that sort of thing must be transparent. But for the most case, for example, compensation information, performance review information. You know, that's the sort of information that by you know, in most organizations and for most people, for example, is that's highly protected information. You know, any medical information, for example, probably very highly protected. Um, but this is really more about um, information that can be shared, should be shared and should be shared openly across across organizations and that if you the sort of the the other important part of this is if you need information to be able to make a decision you know you should feel that you can ask for that information and and have it provided to you so would you say this is more of a management, higher level person's responsibility? No, because I think um, I think this is something that can apply across the board. Now, if you're um, if you're an individual contributor, for example, if you're working on something, then you know, it's it's your and let's say you I don't know discover a problem with the the approach that you know you've taken or the guidance that you were initially given, for example, like it's it's up to you to raise the flag that, hey, I've got a, uh, you know, I've got a problem here that um, you know, this isn't going to work the way that perhaps we thought it was or the way that it was designed to or whatever it might be. Um, 
and you know it's your responsibility to 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 share the fact that that is a problem or a challenge so that other people can then be aware of that and hopefully you know help resolve that so i i i see this as something that's um there is a top down element of it which is that sort of um which i think is often the thing that starts the ball rolling as it were which is this is a behavior that you can foster initially top down but if you only adopt it from a top-down sort of approach, I think you're limiting the impact that this value can have. Uh, I'll sort of agree. For me, this has to be fostered top-down, mm. even if the bottom doesn't want to play ball. Because if it doesn't happen top, it will never happen oh, to yeah. the bottom. Yeah. I'm not going to admit that I did something wrong if I know I'm going to be ridiculed, my head's going to be under the axe and things like that. I mean, if management makes a habit of blaming, uh, playing the blame game, mm. then your underlings will adopt that very quickly too. Yep. So while I agree it should be both parts ideally, it's definitely for me the responsibility of the management layer to foster this, to yeah. promote this, to show this, and in, in the way of uh, <laughs> do as I say, not not as I do. <laughs> that doesn't work. They really need to embody this, and it's a hard one because mm. sharing openly makes you uh, vulnerable. Yeah, very much so, and it's also another one, a little bit like the. Um, assume no malice that we talked about in the previous episode. For me, this this kind of share openly and default to transparency is also a, there's a huge part of this that is about trust, about building trust, about maintaining trust, about sort of um, fostering trust across across teams and across organisations. One of the ways that you can, you know, more effectively and more quickly build trust is to share information in a position or put yourself in a position that makes you vulnerable to others to show that you are trusting them with, you know, said information. Yeah. Um, and much like um, sort of assume no malice, I think um, share openly and default to transparency has also become more and more important as organizations have become kind of more distributed as well. Um, I can see two uh, axes on that one. Because mm -hmm. on one hand, yeah, the more open you are about the details of a project, the better people can cooperate because there are less unknowns. And I mean, as long as you know it's unknown, you can work with it, but unknown unknowns really can cripple something. Mm -hmm. Another reason of looking at sharing uh, with distributed colleagues is that they get to know you. Yeah. And if they get to know you, they will know that, okay, if I ask this to be done and Jon said it's going to be done in three days, okay, I should probably take a week and a half <laughs> because he's overly optimistic, not lazy. Um, I mean, that's another part of the openness that can benefit distributed teams, just having the, yeah, knowing the people that you're working with, which normally happen more or less automatically or organically if you're in an office situation mm. because, well, you talk to each other, you say, hello, good morning, you, you make take lunch together, whatever. Distributed-wise, yeah, you see each other during the meetings in a Zoom session or something like that. And 
yeah, if people are very private there, then that can be a problem. Now there is another value coming up later in the series that is going to be uh, kind of opposite to this, to be honest. But I'm not going to foreshadow that too much. Mm. So the other thing I think um, sharing openly and defaulting to transparency does is it really sort of beyond just helping to develop trust and accelerate that development of trust, I think it really helps to foster like a, a really collaborative yeah. culture. Um, like the more you the more you share with people, the more they can see that you you trust them with information but also to your point like the more effective they can be because they have the additional context the additional information whatever it might be but there's it's more than just how someone can you know do a better job it's that they feel more connected to Mm-hmm. You know, to you, to the company, to the team, to the mission, to... They become invested in the project. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and like, this is this is one of those things that I think is one of the more... I suppose one of the more simple sort of values um, to... to, to on the surface, I think it, it's a, it sounds simple, but I think this is one of those that actually the, both the impact, yeah, like the impact it can have, and also the effect it can have on individuals. Um, I think this is one of those sort of iceberg type values where the, yeah. the tip of it looks relatively, oh yeah, of course, like share stuff and and just you know be transparent about things. Uh, but I think that it's like that. There's a huge amount that it impacts and uh, and can and can impact for an organization, for a team, for people as a whole. And I think it changes the way that an organization like feels inside. Like as I I'm trying trying to trying to explain something without talking about specific anecdotes but <laughs> um i don't know that there's something about an organization that that really shares openly and defaults to transparency that i suppose it goes back to this like feeling like you're all in this together like, yeah it forms a real big cultural change if this happens and it's a cultural change that actually is felt by your customers too Mm. I mean, we're both in a sales organization, so we sell this stuff. And we all have the stereotype of the second second-hand car salesman. Nobody trusts that person because he's going to sell you a lemon and that's what you know is going to happen. If a company has true openness and transparency inside and people live that life, your brain will get refigured a little bit. And when you discuss things with your customers, with your clients, with your users you will have that same open approach Mm. and actually people feel that and that's why certain companies when they come along people will start sitting in the chairs like this and yeah you can keep you can come talking again if you're not on youtube you missed this 
brilliant piece of acting on my part. <laughs> and the other uh, part is that when I go to customers, I get welcomed because I, they know they can trust me. They know that uh, when I go to a job interview uh, in the later phases, I always ask a single question. Is it okay if I tell a customer they shouldn't buy your product? If the answer is no, I'm not going to work for you. Because mm. in the long run, even though you lost that deal, you gained so much trust, they'll come back. Yeah. And that's 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 for me open. Openness that I can really put a, mm. a, a physical example, like if it's yeah. physical, but just being able to tell a customer, brilliant use case, great what you guys are doing, we're not that for you. Yeah. Being able to do so that. So here, here's something kind of, I, I think I can abstract these enough that <laughs> I can talk about them without people getting upset. So like here's two examples of um, like this value changing. So in one example, or at least like one example of the value changing and one example of what I think was an amazing transparent experience so one one value of um of this changing was an organization that i was at who basically went from being a private company went through ipo um, did a huge amount of growth and the pre-ipo uh, nature of that company i would say maybe not quite as as open and defaulting to transparency as some places I've been, but was generally speaking pretty open and pretty transparent. And post-IPO, the company sort of changed quite a bit. And it changed quite a bit due to, you know, due to some hiring sort of mm -hmm. changes that were made and various leaders coming in. Um, but it also changed under the auspices of, well, we're a... Like we're a publicly traded company now. Like we can't operate, you know, we can't do these things the way we used to do them. Things like, oh, we, we can't have roadmaps anymore because, you know, essentially making up excuses saying that, oh, well, you know, as a, as a publicly traded company, we can't have roadmaps. So everything needs to be hidden behind lock and key and all these sorts of things. And like that was, that was a, a very, jarring and for me personally a very very negative experience to go through and see sort of a company sort of change like that and and i definitely went through a period of you know going from feeling very invested in that company and feeling that you know i knew everything that was going on and that the organization trusted me to you know over the course of probably only about a year or so mm -hmm. Um, feeling and seeing sort of a very different perspective on on things, and that really, really changed my perspective of that organisation. Yeah, yeah, totally true. I mean, roadmaps. I don't really like myself, to be honest. I prefer much more like vision statements and directions than roadmaps of saying month one product A, yeah, whatever. Yeah, those yeah, things yeah. never work out anyway. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and you're also right that you can. It takes a lot of work to be perceived in a positive way through these values. It takes mm. a millisecond to lose that. Yeah. It's very hard to recuperate that again. Yeah. But uh, um, and again, sometimes, I mean, you said public company, 
there are limitations. Some things cannot be done in a public company. Mm. But then just be open about it that we can't yeah. do this anymore and don't try to fake it or whatever. Just, again, transparency really works there. Yeah. And it's a culture um, thing. I mean, can you imagine what happened when Red Hat and IBM went together? Um, well, uh, I wasn't there, <laughs> but uh, that must have been interesting in a good or a bad yeah. way. Yeah, well, I, I know I have some very good friends that uh, lived through that life, so I have a very good idea of exactly what happened there. But um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those it's one of those things that I think makes a makes a huge difference to how to how an organization feels and and how people, as I say, feel like they're all in all in together on something. It's one of the reasons that I don't buy Apple. Mm. I, I'm that company is scary. Mm. I mean, and the fact that their software is terrible, but hey. Uh, some people love their software, so <laughs> I can't say that. And that's how you want, but is Windows much better? Well, I think so, because it's a little more open. I can break more, <laughs> which is the fun of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Well, I'm one of those uh, Linux weirdos, so, you know. Is what ah, it is. Don't call yourself a weirdo. We'll do that for you. <laughs> See, I'm open right. and transparent. About yeah. It. <laughs> Thanks for that open and transparent construction. Actually, that's a good one to finish <laughs> this one off, perhaps. Doing this can also be incredibly insulting. Oh, yeah. This like, is not a free letter of just speaking your mind at every occasion and not having any kind of filter anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This doesn't mean start being a giant jackass. Uh, do you mean, does that mean I need to stop? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could come up and see what the values of the Rogan <laughs> podcast are later. But uh, I think for now, let's move on to the next value. Yeah, going to make another long episode. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, Monty, what's behind the next door? Ah, come as you are. Mm -hmm. This is one I encountered late in my career, to be honest. And I do like it. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's again about respect, to be honest. About being an individual, a unique individual, and bringing your good parts and your bad parts to make a more diverse, not homogenous, but heterogeneous ensemble yeah. to make something more. And yeah, this one, I'm going to let you talk about this one first, because this one actually goes kind of personal for me. Yeah. So, I mean, my perspective on on come as you are is that actually, this is um, this is a value that I think is one of the more recent values that we've seen, or that that I've seen in my career. Let's say, in that, I don't think that I have to look too far back in my career to a point where actually everyone was expected to be, you know, stamped out, cookie cutter, like everyone was expected to be the same, was looked at the same, was performance managed the same, was predictable. Yeah. And that's probably, I want to say that things probably started to shift maybe only about 15 years ago, something like that. And in the 10 IT. years ago, 15 in IT. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. 
Um, Out of IT, it's still cookie cutter mostly. Well, yeah, there is that, but thankfully, um, I am only speaking for my my areas of uh, of experience. But I do think it's or yeah, experience. Um, I do think this is one of those values that. I think the rest of the world, to your point, is still very much on the, on the lagging side of even understanding what it really means. I also think that even in the in the world in the IT world, this is still it's something that we see and we hear, but I still get the feeling that there's a lot of organisations where you know. They may say this, they may have, you know, some, this or something similar, you know, plastered all over their recruiting, you know, sort of paraphernalia or website or whatever. But their actual implementation or understanding of it is probably still quite rudimentary because come as you are to me is about diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of hiring. It's also about at its at its core it's about understanding that not everyone is the same and that that's okay and that's that, a good thing yeah um and that it's okay for there to be differences of opinion differences of approach differences of um of the way that people view the world and you know a million other different uh different differences but there's there's something out there in the world, I think that there's an underlying sort of, oh, but this makes things more complicated. It or does. This makes things, it does, but. But the benefits are outweigh the work. Exactly, exactly. And I think there's, but I, I do think there's a lot of people who are still, you know, not out of any sort of malicious sort of nature or anything still don't really understand what this means. It's a very new one. I think one of all the values we've got on the list here, this is one of the most more recent ones, as you said. And yeah, people aren't used to it yet. But people assume different things from this thing. And again, assumptions shouldn't make those. Mm -hmm. But this is, I mean, you can't be an open and transparent environment if you can't allow people to be what and who they are. Mm. And for me personally, um, I'm actually a very introvert person. Mm. And doing a podcast might say might belie that, but uh, no, this is actually effort. I've also worked for a lot of American companies, and American companies are by definition very extrovert. Everything needs mm. to be fabulous and awesome and whatever. And I've had times I was very unhappy in an environment because I had to fake who I was. Mm. And unhappy people aren't productive people. Mm. And that's why I said earlier, having this come as you are available makes people more productive because they can work the way they want, they, the way they know they can actually function the best and give those people that room. Now, this is also something that uh, with experience and age and uh, seniority happens more. I mean, again, if you're just leaving school, you yeah. don't know who you are yet. I mean, mm. uh, I've read yesterday that the prefrontal cortex is only fully formed when you're 20. So you still, your identity actually physically still changes until you're 20. Mm. So if you're 25, you're still fully discovering who you are and your first job is a totally new environment. So yeah, things are going to change. You will be insecure and you will try to emulate people that you 
look up to, respect hopefully, and hopefully respect you back. And you'll feel a need to conform to whatever it is. When you get older, get more experience, get more to add, get more to offer, to, to, to offer to the project you're working on, you will feel more sure of yourself and be able mm -hmm. to say, well, this is what I am. And for me personally, this has changed me in no longer being the person in a meeting that needs to make sure he's heard or else people might not believe that I exist to becoming somebody who pretty much doesn't say much at all in, in a meeting unless there's something that I think nobody is picking up on. And mm. if I'm not going to say it, then it might go under the water. I think it's important enough that it should be. Okay, I'm going to raise my hand and see if mm. we can posit something. And I think it's that's more productive because I was a lot of noise before. Mm. And that's a long time ago, to be honest, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I'm more productive today. Mm. I mean, come as you are feels like one of those uh, one of those values that again, it's it's a little bit more bottoms up than top down to a certain extent in that um, like everyone needs to come as they are. Everyone needs to represent themselves it like as they naturally are where whereas the top-down part of this to me comes less less about you know leaders um coming as they are and more about the the hiring and the recruiting and the promoting that they're involved in. I think that has more impact than I think if a leader can bring in more individuals, I think that has almost more impact, more differentiated individuals. I think that almost has more impact than that, just that leader naturally and accurately representing themselves. I will disagree 1000%, which is mm -hmm. a physical impossibility. Good. Wonderful. I agree with you that today management projects a lot less come as you are because managers are still supposed to be cookie cutter. You all go, you, I mean, you're, you're a manager, I can say you, you all go to the same management courses, you read the same management books because that's the way that works. And yes, these methodologies have changed over time, but the new hype or whatever, the new wisdom or whatever you want to call it, that's what's getting pushed down as a cookie cutter template and managers are supposed to be managers. That's what the manager is, right? And I think we're actually losing out because uh, I don't like all those seminars and uh, methods and whatever because yes somebody had success that way in country xyz and now they're going to implement that in country abc no way you can predict if that's going to be successful or not i mean a lot of the u.s management uh, style has been exported over the world because internationals mm. are predominantly especially in it american focused and mm. i can guarantee you i have but it my head very, very hardly and strongly and painfully against management styles that I just didn't like. Mm. Now, working for a Dutch company with Dutch managers, that works a lot better. And you alluded earlier to how cultures can change when a startup becomes more bigger company and more 
external managers get hired and bring their culture in, that can change a lot. Mm. But I would really like it if a manager could just have his own style without being seen as a bad manager. Because again, it is more effort to allow come as you are. If you have all your employees doing exactly the same thing, exactly the same way, if we're all doing the same um, conveyor belt uh, kind of approach, it's easy to manage, easy to put salaries on people because you do exactly the same thing. Mm. Giving them more freedom, more come as you are possibilities, that means people become individuals and need to be treated as individuals. Managers have a huge effect on their company. Yep. And having managers giving them more leeway and come as you are, if you are a kind of manager that likes to tell funny stories, great. And if you're a manager that's more serious and really looks at numbers a lot, as long as the result is a good working team, mm. where everybody is happy, content, well, happy and content, no, feels valued, is able yep. to contribute and grow, I don't mind. And the worst mm. managers I've ever had were the managers that had a personality that was not how they were a manager because the company had sent them to a treat and taught them how to be a manager and now they have these values, why not, that they try to put in there. And if you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your manager and you just know that he or she is taking the next bullet point from the slide he just read and now we have to have discussion around it, it doesn't work let these managers let the, these well I've, i'm not sure if it's true but i've been told that managers are actually people i mean i believe so but uh, I, being one i i couldn't confirm or deny I, i'm just I, I don't know i mean i i, I can envision the world <laughs> i mean you know what i mean right i mean let I know, them be and the best managers i've had were the most crazy people you ever met i I think but this the, is coming from problem, a person who is not a manager. So yeah, my think, viewpoint is definitely yeah. uh, my bubble. Yeah, well, I, I think I actually strongly agree with a lot of what you say. But? The, well, as I said, yeah, <laughs> but the challenge is always much like, um, much like the life of an IC. Like there are certain expectations, there are certain maybe processes, there are certain things that people are measured by. I think that the thing that I agree with you on is that um, your style, your personality or that sort of thing, that is something that you need to, to stay true to because much like um, much like if you're in a, a selling role and you don't really believe in the products that you're selling or positioning with your customers or prospects, like people pick up on that. And I think it's the same with managing. Like if you are running a team in a way that's not natural to the way that you think or behave or whatever, then your team very quickly picks up on that. And you know, that itself is also um, very negative. So no, I, 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 I agree with, you know, a lot of what you said. I just think that the impact that a manager can have, assuming that they are coming as they, or behaving as they naturally would, I think that their, their power to do good as it were is 
magnified by bringing in more diversity to an organization yes. than it is but they can also shoot themselves in the foot because if they bring in very diverse people and keep faking themselves that team sure. will never work sure sure yeah i i know but i'm i'm saying i'm i'm assuming that they're already they're already at least neutral on that scale should we say there's of course the other side of this coin because this can be a value that can allow people to be incredibly annoying persons oh yeah like hiring hiring people that are jerks um and, going, and well, think I'm that that's okay to that come as a jerk yeah exactly yeah. i mean come as you are does not mean you can be a bad person that's why we talk about our values plural there's no single value they all kind of come together and yeah. sooner malice openness uh what was the other one we had openness and transparency take this in there as well right the respect always stays in there as well and come as you are you're still coming to a, an environment and people are right to expect you to adapt a little bit to fit in that ensemble and if you can't do that if you feel that you can't come as you are and still be a uh, accepted member of a group you should find a different group i mean the, yes the other thing about this is you mentioned fit and this is i mean this is just we're getting really into nuances here but we, hey, we started this conversation, so let's continue to dive down the rabbit hole. Um, whenever I think about this, uh, both come as you are, and um, whenever people say a cultural fit, like that triggers me a little bit because the way that I try to get people to think is I don't want people that are cultural fit. I want people that are cultural addition. And uh -huh. what what I mean by that is, I cultural fit. I think if you're not careful, and this is yeah. this is nuance, yeah. and this yeah. is very gotcha. very. But like a cultural fit, if you're not careful, can pivot back to yes. the people hiring people that look like them, behave like them, think like them, you know, and you start to then lose the 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 sort of the diversity of. Of, of thought opinion background you know whatever whatever whereas i think if you're thinking about cultural addition and again to your point this doesn't mean oh well we haven't got any jerks here so we've got to hire a couple of jerks um this doesn't mean you i'll give you my, my, my yeah. cv later fine <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't mean that you can just kind of hire a bunch of people that are going to be negative and irritating and difficult to manage because oh we haven't got any of those yet so let's better get some of those on staff um no, like it, it, it's people that will, you know, add something to you as an organization, will challenge you, will, to, to the point you started off with this, will actually improve and increase the diversity of thought and opinion and everything else. Yeah, but they need to complement. It's like when you make a puzzle, yeah. every puzzle piece is different. I mean, if yeah. the puzzle all has the same pieces, you don't have a fun time making that puzzle. But the little nooks and holes and uh, extrusions they have need to fit into each other. And for me, that is a culture fit for me means that if I add this person, that person has a chance to be uh, a valued colleague in that group and the group mm. will accept this person. So yes, different, 
but you can't have totally orthogonally the opposed characters in the same group because they will never form a group. So yeah, avoid the cookie cutter definitely, mm. but also don't go completely out of the box because that person will, I mean, you never know, we can try. I mean, if sometimes the person has a specific characteristic or skill or whatever you need, and mm. okay, you need to do it then. But it's a lot easier if you can find people that are different, but somewhat in the same vein. And I don't mean they all need to be Caucasian men of a certain age. Yeah. Nope, not at all. That's the bad way of thinking about it. But you shouldn't have people that are co completely, everything needs to be open source. <laughs> and then I hire somebody from a totally closed source. Everything needs to be secret. But I mean, you yeah. will need, it'll, it'll work in the end, or probably, but you'll need a lot of time to make that integration happen. And still people need to run, uh, work in a group there. So there need to be short term possibility for integration of the new asset to the group. Is that a way yeah. of expressing it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes sense. So if, if you if you think of it like a like, I don't know like a scatter plot almost, um, uh, like you've got like this sort of scatter plot of of different like people and personalities and that sort of thing. Like you hire a complete outlier off in a different part of the graph, um, like the group is unlikely to, <laughs> to to move up towards that. And that person will probably take quite some time to adjust down to that. The only thing that I have seen happen is that you hire someone that is very different to the group, but it is in a direction that you want to maybe evolve. And yeah. what you can then do is you start hiring other people yes. that are more yes. Yes. towards that area. So like hiring the outlier first is a little bit of a radical choice, but as long as you then kind of you know that's the direction you want to evolve things and you then hire other yeah. people or you know or move people in an organization mm -hmm. that help to improve that so i i once worked in an organization that um where i was building a team from scratch and um i hired i hired i started hiring a couple of people externally um and i also took on board a couple of internal transfers to like bootstrap this organization. And the, the people that I were, I was bootstrapping from were, were very deeply technical, limited commercial exposure or experience. And then, you know, the people that I were hiring were far more commercially focused and maybe had less of the technical depth, but I knew that I wanted to, to bridge the gap between this, this sort of these two groups of people and I, I hired a variety of people sort of in between over the you know the coming time and that actually worked out you know really well over time but it's something you know you should do with a, a conscious plan rather than just sort of randomly hiring people that as you say have a completely different outlook on life or perspective or whatever else that's wildly different to the rest of uh, you know a team or a department or division. Yeah, it's what I see as the incubator approach, where you mm. have an incubator of a new mindset or something like that, but that can't mm. be a single person. That needs to be a group of people so that that group also has some cohesion and is able to influence the other part. And I've actually lived this because eight years ago I joined Microsoft and that was just after the Balmer era where the, the yeah, Linux is poison was still very, of cancer was still very uh, prevalent. And Microsoft simply decided we're going to hire a bunch of open source people. 
because the reason mm -hmm. I got hired by Microsoft was because I did a lot of open source. Mm -hmm. Because they knew they were pivoting to Azure, they wanted to have the open source approach, they knew that that was, that was where the money was. I mean, there's no mm -hmm. big uh, <laughs> happy <laughs> joy joy feeling, it's all about the money. But they just hired a bunch of uh, us, and in the beginning, the first year, we were a, a separate entity, an incubator, doing the open source stuff. Mm. And that worked very well for them, and by the mm. time it had worked, and it was homogenized that everybody was now a little bit closed source, a little bit in Windows world, a little bit in the open source world. Mm. Uh, that's kind of when I, when I left, because yeah. there was no more, no more fun there. <laughs> fun <laughs> for me there. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a way of working. But again, you need to have the incubator approach. We have a group of people that mm. uh, can have a, a a mass that actually can move something. And a single yeah. person, again, if it's a three-group company, three-person company, yes, one person will be a movable mouse but if it's a 10,000 people company don't have one person that's totally different that's not going to be a good situation for anybody yeah. yeah yeah for sure right well I think I think we filled enough time with our values for today I believe so, so. You can support this podcast. We have patrons. We love our patrons' contributions to help us keep this up in the air. We're on YouTube. If you go there, you will see the nice, uh, beautiful slides I built and all of the acting performances that both Dave and I, from time to time, try not to do. You can go to www.roaringalpha.org. There's links to the Patreon page, to YouTube page, uh, podcast. Uh, we're still somewhat on Twitter, though. Don't expect a lot of movement there anymore because Twitter hates us for some reason. And luckily, you can still send your email feedback to podcast at theroaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Jon, and since that's what I am, I don't have to add anything more to that. And my name is Transparent Dave. I'm fading away. Ah. I will look forward to talking to you again next week. That's assuming I haven't faded away. I'm not, I'm not putting that effect in post. That's just too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>